0: This podcast is brought to you by WeTransfer, the world's largest file transfer service. Since 2009, WeTransfer's free platform has been enabling creative thinkers around the world. Visit wetransfer.com today and see for yourself.
1: Hi, this is Giles Peterson, and uh, this is a series that I'm doing called Psychology of DJing, which uh, is a fascinating subject for me, but it's something that I've always, well, it's something I've always been interested in, just the way we get through it. I've been DJing for 30 years, and there are good days, bad days, times when you just got to deliver. I want to understand why other people do that job. Why do they DJ? How do they balance the lifestyle? How do they keep healthy? And uh, how do they manage the pressure? So with transfer I'll be speaking to some of my favourite DJs to explore many of these themes. Now... In this episode, I spoke with a guy who, well, he's got a great history. He grew up in Detroit. He worked in a renowned record shop, which is called Melodies and Memories. Um, he has been supported by legendary DJs like Omar Ress or Theo Parrish. Um, he moved to Berlin with Ryan Crosson and Sean Reeves. He established himself at the very top of the global DJ game. So he's really become, he was voted number one resident advisor DJ. Um, and I was always interested in him because he was kind of not the obvious type of guy who gets to the top of those mainstream charts and I was just curious because he still plays vinyl a lot of the time he's very open with the way he plays his music um and uh he's not formatted and uh I was fascinated by that how does a man like him um have to you know he has to go up there and stand in front of 5000 people at sona or whatever and uh and deliver how does he get himself ready for all of that so on this episode I spoke to Seth
0: Troxler we started off by talking about his first ever trip to play in europe 2005 omar s had invited me over to europe to um play at robert johnson and, and panorama bar when i was like 19 right so and you had confidence in your sort of mani- way of being able to i mean i play the exact same music today yeah. that, I, that i did then <laughs> that's, that's yeah. the funniest thing is my my, my taste hasn't really changed no. at all you know i guess that's partially from growing up in detroit and being around so many other people who, it's probably the same in London when you're around other music people and when you're younger and you want to hang out with music people, I guess uh information and knowledge is currency, you know, in many ways, you know? So it's like a way to get your foot in the door is just by being really educated and knowing what you're talking about and knowing about real music. In Detroit, like everyone was a DJ, you know? Everyone had kind of like, created the scene you know I was really lucky to grow up with like Mike Saravito and Carlos Soufan and all these people around me kind of feeding me music like since when I was like 15 years old 14 years old so it was a, a really fortunate situation of just being around real music geeks including my father all my father's friends my entire life you know so I guess that's like the search for music started like incredibly young
1: when did you feel that it went from being a lot of fun and just doing being the geeky guy who just wants to be DJing and not thinking about anything else to it becoming a gig
0: I think I think when I kind of moved to Berlin and, you know, and it was like I wasn't in college anymore and it became like a means to survive, you know, that's when I kind of put on the hustle a bit more, you know, because it was like, yeah, I got to eat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that that realization from being like in college and like getting checks from school and like kind of like – Easing it around, having a little DJ gig here and there. That like you got some extra cash in your pocket. You're like, yeah, this is sick to just like being broke. You know, you have no money. Your parents have no money, and you're just like, yo, I gotta, I gotta make this work, or I'm moving back to Detroit. But here's the thing, because I've seen you play, and you go and you give it
1: your all. Your, you know, that's it. You, you know, for you when you're when you're performing, people expect something maybe from you that because of what your reputation comes with. Do you feel that that's a pressure? Is there a time when you can just go and do a gig? Where you just don't look at the crowd and you just do your
0: thing and it's like I mean like... often I mean I'm always kinda of doing my thing. also but at the same time we have a job to do. So yeah. people are paying us a decent amount of money to, you know, make them dance. So I, there is that responsibility if i feeling. But a couple of years ago, I just started to become very unhappy with having to be this like dancing monkey, you yeah, know, in some ways. And at that and I was just becoming very unhappy with my life and I had to take a step back and really kind of think about why i'm doing this you know and what why what was making me happy about doing this and then i went back to just doing everything like how i used to and and loving the music that i used to love and really got deep 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 back into full record collecting not just buying stuff for djing but like just buying real music again and looking at it like art you know and looking at it like a culture and now i'm the happiest i've ever been (laughs) you know it's funny
1: where's home now uh, around the
0: corner. So where'd you put all your records? <laughs> yeah. Where's all your records? I've got my records here. I've got about 12,000 records. I've got um half here and half in Ibiza. So, yeah. It's- and, yeah, well, is an interesting subject in a way
1: because to me, that's a place I can't really go back to.
0: Where? So ibiza i find ibiza to be this really calming place you know i like the a- idea that there's some action to be found if i do want to be a mentalist you know which like to, to, to well you're still so young i mean
1: in a way yeah. you know I, I i only started really questioning those sort of uh bits of my life
0: when i was probably in my mid-40s <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah know. i'm hoping by my mid-40s maybe just to be um an artist <laughs> uh, well yeah i mean i'm a means, restaurant owner <laughs>
1: but, but on the side su- i mean like the the whole subject of drugs and stuff and and like you know the the doing the party do you feel you need to be high to do gigs not at or? all
0: no i never get high when i play right i mean i smoke weed yeah you know that's like i smoking weed since i was 12 but as far as drinking getting high at clubs like some years ago i just found it too hard yeah it's too hard the next day you know you get older you're like you know only time i really kind of party now is those bad those fateful events where you show up and there's like 20 of your friends at a place or you know you get home somewhere and you're just like fuck you know i guess we're we're, we're in for the win you know but like when you're out just like out in some random country in the middle of nowhere it's like boom boom in and now it's a business thing
1: so you're disciplined
0: yeah, really extremely soft. Have
1: you ever found yourself in a really difficult,
0: weird situation <laughs> in a foreign land I, I don't know, I think you could be in this job and not yeah. <laughs> been in that situation. What's the most obscure one you found oh, yourself in? Oh wow, I had this one. It was really weird. Some years ago, actually with Damien Lazarus, we were in Spain, right? And I was playing this gig. It's like I had just got on Crosstown Rebels. We had this place called Industrial Copra, right? It's this giant techno club, you know, five, 6,000 people. I think, like, 200 people had showed up to the, the Crosstown party. It's like, Jamie, Damien, and I were just like, fuck. All right, so I'm, like, playing. Every record I play, this, like, kids are like, oh, you suck. Fuck it. I was like, fuck. You know, you're trying to put one on and you're like, this one's going to make them happy. And it's like, nah.
1: But that's interesting about the DJs, like, giving you the sort of cut of the throats.
0: Not the DJs, it was the crowd. No, the crowd, sorry.
1: (laughs) Giving us the throat. Well, I mean, I think going back to Ibiza, I had my most sort of uh, traumatic experience one year. that Radio One were doing a weekend in Ibiza, as they still do, and it was the closing party at Space. And I used to do a show on a Sunday night live in London. They said, well, why don't you do your Your show from space? And I was like, well, I said, "Uh, mm, it's sort of. They said, you know, you can go on after Carl Cox. And I said, there's no way I'm going on (laughs) after Carl Cox. I mean, I I can handle it in a club just about, although it will be awful. But I'm not going through the experience of not only going on after him in a club, but also live on the radio, right? Because <laughs> it's really going to not come out well. And they said, no, no, don't worry. He finishes at eight and we're going to put an ambient on, ambient DJ between eight and nine. So when you come on, it will be completely fresh. Like quiet, of, yeah. A, yeah. a, a fresh um, bit of paper. And I'll never forget going up, driving up towards the space that Sunday night. And um, it's about, I'm on in half an hour and uh, so there was meant to be an ambient DJ. And as I'm kind of getting towards that sort of car park bit, like, you know, I'm like half a mile away mm. and I can hear the sort of, <laughs> I, I can hear that rumble. And I'm like, fuck, he's still on. And my heart just starts pumping and pumping. And then I got to the venue and it was like, you know, 20, you know, we're having many people in the terrace just going potty to, to Carl Cox and there's no way he's going to finish within the next 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to, I had to go on after him. I had so many people <laughs> doing that <laughs> cutthroat sort of signal at me on the dance floor
0: it's funny i mean i've had some funny notes passed to me you know what was this one i try i try, I try to keep them i always lose them uh, what i think one time it's like seth you used to have the magic where has it gone <laughs> like, <Yeah>. thanks <laughs> you know? and how'd you cope with that would yeah, you feel i mean you just kind of cope with it yeah. you know I mean, every day is a chance to be better. You know, it's like every day you wake up, it's like a whole new chance on life. Yeah, I had that. The I did a gig the
1: other day last week. In fact, I was in Manchester. I thought I was doing all right, but I did feel like I was just playing a little bit safe. And uh, you know that feeling when you, when it's going off, but you know inside yeah, yourself, yeah. it's kind of you're playing a bit safe. And this guy just looked at me from the dance floor. Everyone was just like going, you know. And this this one guy looked at me. And I spotted him, and. He just did the yawning thing. <laughs> he did. He did the yawning. I was like, "Oh my god, you've got me." <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> Have you, yes, that's a heavy one. Do you do you do you find sometimes that you'll sort of always spot the the you know there will be a thousand people there, but you'll you spot-, spot the one that, Yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
0: I mean, <laughs> yeah. but as artists or as you know musicians or crazy people who collect records, you know, obviously where you, you find. I mean nothing's ever good enough really you know that's probably why we have incredible music tastes because we're like so refined on on taste and when you're so like introspective already about life and music and yourself and you know when it's not kind of going right you know so like you kind of like are looking for that person or trying to find it so yeah it's the first thing you do is find the guy not having a good time you're like I fucking knew it some days it is like a train wreck though I can't like it's like I, mean, I can't believe this is my job. I can't make myself out of a paper bag today.
1: <laughs> so um, preparation, I, I'm interested because you've got a load of gigs coming up. I mean, I just looked at your lineup. I mean, you're you know, you're, I mean, you're not doing like five a week. You're doing what a couple of week at four the moment. Four five a week. Yeah, four so five
0: a week in the summer. Yeah, and then in the in the winter in the yeah four three to five, three to five a week minimum. Three minimum kind of.
1: Preparation. What is your preparation?
0: I mean, so know. this is the funniest thing, right? I am. I have this whole idea on DJing, right? And and Craig's really gotten me into this lately. Craig Richards. yeah. So we, we were talking about it. And I've been doing this thing for a while, where I mean, I buy music constantly. I'm const constantly, constantly buying music. But when and then I kind of fill up my bag, put new stuff in, put new take take stuff out, and then I just travel with that bag and make. And make do. But I really like the idea of chance, and the randomness of, of just making it work and, and working the records to work that room. And then I just, I think the whole part of that, I never know what I'm going to do before I get on stage is why it works. Because you're not thinking about what you're doing, you're just doing it because it's what you do, rather than like, analyzing this is what I need to do these are the tracks I need to play this is what it's the gig supposed to be like it's like well fuck it I'm just gonna turn up and play some records so let's talk
1: about those really edgy places you know places that might have been affected by war or terrorism or where things are a little bit shaky politically I've been playing a lot recently in France and since the troubles in France I feel that the party scene has sort of elevated somehow do you feel that there's a different atmosphere when you play in sort of
0: places that are edgy yeah whenever things are, are down people seem to celebrate a lot more and it makes our job more important than ever to give people that release i think you know if you go to anywhere where it's like kind of like almost war zoney, fucked up place it's like people are like yes you came you're here and they they release my biggest
1: difficulty in my entire life as a dj is the fact that it's this kind of balance between the lifestyle and being healthy and so you know it's 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 like Jekyll and Hyde for me, you know. Yeah. So you know, if I'm in London at home, I'll be getting up at sort of going to bed at ten for mm-hmm. eleven and getting up yes at same. six, you know, yeah. enjoying and being this other person. And then the moment Thursday comes or something, I just become Peterson, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Excellent. it's and it's a funny game, you know. That yeah. So you're constantly living in this. And I smoke, then I don't smoke, then mm-hmm. I'll do this, and I won't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's
0: like and it's 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 a, it's. Difficult. But it's just realizing that you have to have live forever, live this double life. You know, and I guess that's what we signed up for in many ways. And I think the people who have the most trouble with it are the people who try to not accept that that is the fact that that's just how your life has to be. And the more they try to push away and feel guilty about, I think, or I've seen feel guilty about their lifestyle or their choice or these parties or like whatever. Like maybe they'll like be out having a really good time, and then they get on it a little bit, and then they're like, "Oh shit, fuck!" You know, it's just like. Yo, you're having a good time. That's cool. Like, you're not doing every weekend. It's fine. Like, you know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> you're not going to die. Like, chill out. You know, I think, for, I mean, it's kind of funny because sometimes you have know, friends are like, you know, what happened to so and so? They were so good. And it's like life happens to people, or like people get kind of fed up with it and i guess staying in for the long haul you either have to start working out or figure out different ways to kind of continue and operate and stay alive really all the survivors are so clean these days <laughs> it's been depressing but I see people, that's why i like derek a lot because
1: he... <laughs> yeah. but i know that well, Francois, all those guys um you know louis um they're they're tidy man but they're focused it's good um what's what's the best moment about you what's the what's the what's the bit that you need the
0: most out of being a dj for me i think it's just like the other side of the djing the traveling the meeting people the culture the fact that if i sit in one place for too long i get a bit nervous that constant change in my life is what really gets me going and i I guess i mean it's really gratifying having like an ace that so, uh, and the idea that you can play better, I think, is 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 really gratifying as well. Every time trying to do better, is there? But is
1: there like uh, you know, is it sort of delivering the mix that you were hoping to deliver, or is it the or something that just came out of magic, or that moment at the end of the night when you're playing a ballad and people are dying? You know, is yeah, there just, I mean, there's there's, there's there so many
0: different moments that we get to experience. You know, like moments. Sometimes, I mean, really, I guess there's this one thing, like the chill. I love the chill. Or, like, I'm a very unemotional person. Like, I'm I'm, I'm emotional. Like, I, I get emotions and stuff. But I'm also, like, I wasn't around to cry when I was younger. Also, like, I, I don't cry at all. And, like, sometimes a track will almost bring me to tears. It'll so be, like, a moment. Like, our, um, those moments really, like, I remember um, very clearly. Uh, you remember Darren Smart? he was, did uh he died a couple years ago he'd killed himself with best friends with judy from fabric had done low uh not low key but um the t- uh t-bar back in the day and uh that he were in abiza he was living in abiza and he uh, he had died he passed he killed himself right, whatever and i had to dj at dc10 that night right and there's this uh track uh, called stay and it's like stay 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 with me you know and I'm, I'm always getting teary thinking about it now but I'm playing at DC10, right, trying to like get on with it you know and just be like not in, in, in a mood at all, but just kind of just playing records for him, you know And this record I played, you know, was really thinking about him and I, at some point I just broke down,, you know, cried for a minute and then got back up. and that was like one of the some, for me the moments that I can feel emotion. and I think possibly through music and why I'm so obsessed with music is because it, it tells me how I, I, I feel. You know, where like I can't put the words together in my head or figure it out emotionally, and it's closed off. Or maybe I've made so many barriers or so many walls through my life, through experiences or whatever, that of uh, becoming a man or whatever the fuck modern masculinity, the plight of modern masculinity, I guess we're we're old school masculinity. Where I was like, Ch-ch-ch-ch. and then at some point, I I find some new record or I hear something, and it's just instantly cuts through all of those walls that I've built around my emotions forever. And I have this feeling inside of me that I I I feel, you know, and it's this overglowing feeling of serenity, hope, anger. I don't know. It just happens. And it's the one time where I stop being so critical and analytical and I just let myself go. And I have those moments DJing and it's the randomness that this really... I guess it's, that is the, that's the real kick, I guess, for me, is being able to emotionally feel where, where normally I can't. Thank you so much, Seth, for coming in and giving us an insight into your
1: world. You can find more episodes of this series by going onto to WeTransfer. Already there, check out episodes with The Black Madonna, Craig Richards, and more.
0: This podcast is presented by WeTransfer Studios, Giles Peterson, and Worldwide FM. Visit wetransfer.com slash thisworks to see more of our creative collaborations.